I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, former college professor turned manager in a large corporation turned entrepreneur. And not just any entrepreneur. I've made it my life's work to make organizational life more effective and fulfilling. So welcome to Working Conversations, the podcast where we digest and translate research and ideas on workplace dynamics and serve up to you the most interesting and actionable strategies to make your workplace conversations and your relationships more effective, productive, and influential. If you're looking for proven tools for your workplace toolbox, you're in the right place. Now, let's get after it. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Working Conversations podcast, where we talk all things leadership, business communication, and trends in organizational life. I'm your host, Dr. Janelle Anderson. Flexibility is a huge issue in attracting and retaining talent these days. In a study conducted by Slack last fall, 94% of workers reported wanting flexibility in when they work, and 80% of workers reported wanting flexibility in where they work. While this study might be more indicative of the high-tech and office work sectors, after all, it was Slack who conducted the research, and they did so with over 10,000 knowledge workers across a number of countries, including the United States, Australia, France, Germany, Japan, and the UK. What that research does show us is that there are at least two levers that we can use to create flexibility, when you work and where you work. And to that, I'm going to add how much you work. We'll get to that in a bit. That same study by Slack indicated that lack of flexibility is a deal breaker for lots of employees. Those who have little to no ability to adjust their work hours reported being three times more likely to be definitely looking for a new job. So this is something that we really need to pay attention to in this tight labor market. And if you've been listening to the podcast for any length of time, you know that this tight labor market is going to continue into the foreseeable future. Another study, this one done by Owl Labs in 2021, surveyed 2,050 full-time employees about flexible work arrangements. 84% of the respondents said that working from home makes them happier. Another 79% said they experience less stress. And 75% said they were less likely to leave their organization because of the flexible work arrangements. Organizations who are interested in attracting and retaining the best talent need to be creating a flexible work environment, even in occupations that don't traditionally lend themselves to the traditional flexibility of working from home. Likewise, organizations who want their employees back in the office more often also need to be intentional about creating flexible work arrangements, even with people physically back in the office. Again, we can look to when, where, and how much work is being done as three different levers that we can adjust to create flexible work arrangements. So that's what we're going to talk about on today's episode. How do you create flexible work arrangements in both roles where the work needs to be done on site and in organizations where senior leaders prefer employees to be on premises? So let's start with that first case, roles where the work needs to be done on site. While many jobs and occupations can be done remotely, there are some that are difficult or impossible to do from a remote location. It's easy at first blush to say, well, we can't have a flexible work environment here. Here are some of the kinds of jobs I'm talking about. Healthcare workers, doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals who need to be physically present to provide medical care to patients. Construction workers. 
carpenters, electricians, plumbers, and so forth, they need to be on site to perform their duties, to build the thing that is that they are creating. Law enforcement officers, police officers, firefighters, and other first responders absolutely need to be on the scene in order to provide the assistance that they do and perform their duties. Service industry workers, such as hairstylists, massage therapists, and personal trainers, they require physical contact with their clients. Manufacturing workers and warehouse staff. Many manufacturing jobs require operating machinery in the building, and warehouse staff are needed to pull and pack physical materials, which cannot be done remotely. Transportation workers, such as truck drivers, pilots, and train conductors, absolutely require physical presence to operate the transportation vehicle that they are operating. Food service workers like chefs, waiters, bartenders, they need to be on site to prepare food and drinks for people. Retail workers in stores need to be present to assist customers and do such roles as restocking shelves. Okay, you get the idea. So in these cases, we don't necessarily have any choice about where the work is being done, but we can still look at adjusting when and how much people are working in order to create those flexible work arrangements. Now, before we get into discussing different types of flexible work arrangements that might fit these circumstances, let's take a look at the other group who needs a way to provide flexible work arrangements as well. Well, at least if they want to continue to attract and retain the best talent. So let's take a quick look at why organizations might want people to return to the office. To improve collaboration and communication is certainly a reason. In-person collaboration and communication is often more effective depending on the type of work being done. But that's one of the reasons that senior leaders give quite often. Another is to foster a sense of community. Being in the office can help people feel more connected to one another. And in this disconnected world that we're living in, it's a valid reason for going back into the office. And to maintain company culture. Company culture comes about through the artifacts that are in the building, uh, just as much as it does from the relationships from the people who work for the organization. And so when employees work from home, they may miss out on some of those opportunities to learn about the company's values and mission and interact with other people who uh, can help spread the culture. So that's just the tip of the iceberg of reasons why people may want their staff back in the office. But these organizations are, you know, their senior leaders are asking people to come back into the office on a regular basis. Now, I discussed this in episode 96 when I talked about the tug of war between work from home and return to office. Some of the companies that I mentioned who were making it mandatory for their employees to return to the office included Disney and American Express and Starbucks and General Motors and Apple and ExxonMobil and Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley, AT&T, Vanguard, and so on. So there are a lot of them. And for those organizations and others like them, where executives want employees on premises, some or all the time, we also need to look to when and how much as the levers to adjust. Working from home, of course, has become so prevalent over the last few years. Um, We know what 100% work from home arrangements and hybrid work arrangements are like. We know that those are both viable options for creating flexible work arrangements, but we need to look beyond that especially if we're looking specifically to when and how much as opposed to where. Because if the where is predetermined to be on site because of the nature of the work that's being done, or because senior leadership says, I want people back in the office, then the two levers that we have available to us are when and how much. 
So as I share my thoughts on different types of flexible work arrangements, I won't be going into super great detail on working from home or working in a hybrid work arrangement. We know how to do those, and those involve more of the shifting the where, not so much the when and the how much. But I will mention them as they are the most popular and prevalent ways to offer flexible work arrangements. So we'll start there. And I've got six ideas for you. Uh, Number one, offer a work from home option. (laughs) Enough said. Number two, offer hybrid work schedules in which employees come in anywhere from one day per month to three or four days per week. And heads up, if people are required to be on premises for a certain number of days, Make the on-premises time valuable for them. Create an experience that they want to come to. If they work closely with colleagues who are working from home when they're in the office or are in other cities or countries altogether, it can be very difficult to see much value for coming into the office and the experience can fall flat. Number three, cross-train and job share. Now, this could be an on-premises, off-premises proposition where you've got different types of work available to job share between two different people. So one person is doing work that must be done on site, let's just say half of the week, and the other person is doing work that can be done from home half of the week, and then midweek they switch. Or perhaps it's a Monday, Wednesday, half of Friday schedule, and the other one is Tuesday, Thursday, and the other half of Friday. There's a variety of ways to carve up the time, but the idea here is with a cross-train and job share combination that we've got two employees doing two different jobs split across the two of them, one that's done on-premises half the time, the other one that's done from home half the time by one employee, and then vice versa for the other employee. So this could be mixing and matching with people that you already have on staff who are looking for more flexibility and alternate work arrangements, or it could be something that you create for open positions. Now, if you are going to create this for open positions, do socialize that idea and let your internal folks know about it because they might be interested in applying for one of those positions or they might be interested in converting their own position to something similar. So we don't want to leave current employees out of the mix with this. All right, idea number four is pick your own start time. If you're going to try something like this, and here's what it's done for organizations who have tried it and had success with it, is it has eliminated a punctuality problem. So if a shift started at 8 and people were dribbling in at 8.05, 8.10, 8.15, then the idea would be offer a flexible start time. It could be between 7.45 and 8.30 if the job typically started at 8. You give some specific parameters. It's maybe a 45-minute window in which time the job starts. It does not fluctuate from day to day. They choose a time. Let's say they choose 8.10. Well, then they come in to work at 8.10 every single day or they're late. Again, it doesn't fluctuate from day to day. So it's not 8.10 on Mondays and 8.15 on Tuesdays and whatever time I decide on Fridays. That's not how it works. They pick a specific time that does not fluctuate from day to day and then they are expected to show up at that time as their start time. I work with a couple of different manufacturing organizations who have tried this and they have been astounded at how well it has solved their punctuality problem. Because when people have the autonomy to choose their start time, they are much more inclined to show up at that start time. Again, anecdotal evidence at this point, but it is proving to shape up to be a really effective strategy. Number five, different sized shifts. 
Now, I want to just make a quick passing reference here to the four-day work week. A four-day work week is either four tens, four 10-hour days, or increasingly, a four-day work week has become a 32-hour work week for the organizations who are adopting it. And that could be an example of different size shifts. But here, I want you to think a little bit differently than a four-day work week. Now, we could have, as an example of it, of course, a compressed work week where people are working four 10-hour days, as I mentioned. We could also have a more traditional job sharing to create different size shifts where people are working 20 hours a week, and we've got two people covering one role, each working 20 hours per week. And maybe what works best for these two people is for one person to come in in the morning and the other person to come in in the afternoons consistently. So that way the full shift gets covered and it's a traditional job share, but it's a different size shift for the person who's working that shift. So it's a how much. The next idea would be a permanent part-time. And permanent part-time is a great opportunity for parents with school-aged children because once the kids are on the bus and off to school, the parent has a solid five to six hours in which they could be a tremendous asset to your organization. And permanent part-time doesn't necessarily have to follow the school day. We also have people who are permanent part-time who might want those to be early hours in the day. So they might work from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. and work a four-hour day each day. We might also have permanent part-time doing a later shift in the day, say from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. if you're on standard business hours or if you're a manufacturing organization that might be working part of the late shift. And then... I'll offer one more opportunity for different sized shifts, and that would be referred to as co-op job sharing. So a traditional job share is usually going to have two people splitting the job. A co-op job share could have far more than two people. So it could have three, four, five people sharing a 40-hour shift each week. So maybe it's five people sharing a 40-hour shift each week. That's eight hours per person. Or maybe some of the people want a 12, want 12 and some people want eight. They can divide it up however they want. But they have to be particularly responsible and accountable for making sure all 40 of those hours get covered every week. This is a great opportunity if you're in a college or university town and you have work that is suitable for college-age students who are looking to pick up part-time work. So I'll offer that co-op job sharing as one of those different sized shifts. And again, in this tight labor market, we have to think more creatively about how we're going to get the work done. This episode is made possible by Instacart. If you haven't already started using Instacart, now is the time, my friend. Now, I'm the first one to say that I actually enjoy a trip to the grocery store. I really do. But you know what I like doing even better? Making this podcast. When I was deep in the development of this podcast, outlining and recording the first few episodes, my kids reminded me that they needed to eat. Instacart to the rescue. In absolutely record time, Magnolia, my Instacart shopper that day, delivered chicken nuggets, milk, avocados, fresh berries, and a host of other groceries we needed. When life gets busy... Or when you just want to feel like royalty and have someone do it for you, there's Instacart. Get $10 off your first order when you sign up at workingconversations.com forward slash Instacart. Now, back to the show. All right, and the last idea I'm going to share with you is on-demand scheduling. Now, in a way, we kind of already see something like this in retail and in shipping during the holidays when the demand exceeds the regular staff. 
And in those situations, seasonal help is hired. Well, instead of hiring seasonal help who pitch in when the demand is high, this idea goes year-round, but it's similar in nature. So the idea here is that employees work on an as-needed or as-desired basis, either or, depending, you know, demand has to be there from the organization, and there need to be shifts available for employees to sign up. So the organization does need you, uh, but then you also need a large enough employee base of possible employees to come in and cover those shifts so that there is coverage. So this is a bit more of a piecemeal approach and there's broadly speaking two ways to implement this. One of them would be a gig-based or an app-based approach. And there are some apps that do this. Upshift, Blue Crew, and GigSmart are a few of the top ones. And these companies have pre-screened and basically pre-vetted the employees who would then be coming to your organization. So if you had a shift that needed to be covered because somebody was out sick, you could go on to Upshift, post the shift that needs to be covered, generally what the, uh, you know, the type of work and the description of the work, and then a gig worker on Upshift can elect to take that shift and come and work for you for that day. Now, employees, again, are vetted and background checked by the app-based company so that you can feel safe that you're getting somebody who isn't, you know, just, uh, you know, completely right off the street. <laughs> so this is great for a sick day and vacation coverage, especially when it's a role that you absolutely need filled. I do want to mention, though, it's a bit like having a substitute teacher come into a classroom. The teacher knows generally what to do. The teacher is qualified and vetted and licensed, but the teacher doesn't necessarily know specifically what to do. So a lesson plan needs to be drawn up for them. And that substitute teacher does not necessarily have rapport with the kids who are in their classes or the other uh, faculty. So there are some downsides to it. But again, in those situations where it's absolutely critical that you get the role filled, then those can be wonderful opportunities. All right. And then another flavor of that is an in-house version of this. Now, this would only work if your organization is very large. And I'll share examples of two large organizations that do this. The first one is Target. So Target Corporation, the retail giant, they have something called on-demand team members. So Target calls its employees team members. And an on-demand team member is somebody who signs up for a shift. They sign up for a shift, a shift is open, and they go online and see that a shift is open and they sign up for that shift. So on-demand team members must take at least one four-hour shift every four weeks. So once a month, they're working a half day. That's the minimum. Now, of course, they can work much more than that, but that is as much as they need to work in order to stay on payroll and to remain a viable employee. Amazon does something similar they've got something called anytime shifts. And again, they call it something different, but the idea is the same. Somebody who's going to work in a warehouse is going to log on and see when shifts are available and sign up for some of those shifts and work really anytime that the work is available and they are also available. All right, so in this episode, as we talked about flexible work arrangements, I hope I gave you some ideas, especially if you're in one of those industries where it doesn't readily seem like you have flexible work arrangements available to you. 
Now, I also hope that I, you got some ideas if you are in one of those organizations where you're being asked to return to office, or perhaps you're on the planning committee helping design how to return to office. So again, I want you to remember that there are three levers that you can pull when designing a flexible work arrangement. When? When people work. What time of day? What days of the week? What hours of the day? Where? Are they working from home? Are they working from the office? Or is it a anywhere job that they can fulfill anywhere? Or how much? How much are they working each day, each week, each month? Okay, so whether you are designing roles or negotiating your own role, use these three levers to come up with new ways of creating flexibility so that your work can be enjoyable, can fit your life, and can feel like you're getting the flexibility or giving the flexibility, if you are on the employer side, giving the flexibility to your workers. All right, if you enjoy this content and you're watching on YouTube, make sure you hit the subscribe button and knock that little bell so that you get notified every time there's a new episode out. I'm also starting to make some other videos on YouTube as well. So even if you listen on a podcast player, you'll want to head over to YouTube and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. You can find me at youtube.com forward slash Janelle Anderson, PhD. Wherever you're listening or watching, please leave me a review. It helps other listeners find me and it just plain old makes me feel good. Until next time, my friends, be well. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you're hearing on the podcast, head on over to Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts and give us five stars and a quick review. It really makes a difference and it keeps us bringing you valuable content that you can put into play in your life. I'm Dr. Janelle Anderson, and this is Working Conversations.